Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, please stay with me. It's going to be 30 minutes of motivation, some inspiration, some education, and uh, we do it without any types of manipulation. No no games, no gimmicks, no solicitation, no asking you for money. We're just here trying to give you some information, 30 minutes of accurate information that will help you hopefully verify and identify God's plan for your life. And if you can do that, you have the freedom and the privacy to orient and adjust to that plan. It's always up to you. But the flat line is about giving you some information designed to remind you of biblical truths and introduce you to an in-depth way of studying and learning God's Word, establishing in your soul a main line of resistance or a flat line, forward line of troops, F-L-O-T, flat line. The flat line or the main line of resistance is made up of 10 unique problem-solving devices. When you learn them, when you use them, you can stop the outside sources of adversity before they ever become the inside source of stress. That's why you'll hear me say adversity is inevitable, but stress is always optional. So it's up to you. It's your life. you got one shot at it. Every decision that you make is critical because you're held accountable for those decisions in your life. We, we make bad decisions. It limits our future options. But the best decision, the number one decision, the greatest decision you could ever make is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is a gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The free gift is yours to take, mine to take. I took that gift when I was 22 years old, I believed in Jesus Christ, received him as my Savior. Nothing weird happened. I didn't see angels. I didn't hear any harps, but I prayed to God, and I told him I wanted to be saved. And it indeed happened. It took me a few weeks to realize what had happened, and I had to learn a few things about what had happened in my life, but that was a while ago. And as I grew in grace and the knowledge of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I, I found a great pastor who taught me God's Word. As I sat under his ministry and learned from him, I took good notes and applied those notes into my life and sought to live the Christian life to the best of my ability. God brought a wonderful lady into my life, and we met and married and had four children. Raising children is one of the toughest things any person could ever do. Uh, it's funny, you have four different children, and you have four different personalities. They grew up in the same house, and they all are under the same rules, but they turn out totally different. You would think they'd all be alike since they were all in the same house, under the same rules, with the same parents, but they're not. And so uh, I want to talk to you about some of life's toughest years. I see it happen now with my grandchildren, toughest years, growing up and being what folks used to call a teenager. That's kind of an archaic term today, but being a young person in, in your teens, 12, 13, 14, 15, on up, I guess, till about 18, you go through a lot of changes. And so I, I want to talk to you about that. I want to go through some of these things with you, and hopefully 
This radio show will not be an indictment on your life, but it will be an encouragement to you. And uh, it will it, perhaps you would even, if you may wind up wanting to get some of these messages for your kids to hear. If so, let us know. We'll get them for you. But we want you and them to adjust to God's plan. So I, I have a pretty simple job. It's just to simply educate you. And your job is to evaluate the things that I teach. I don't use emotions to try to manipulate you. Never do that. I just want to give you accurate information. So I'm going to start today with a poem. I don't particularly like poems. I'm not a poetry reader. Uh, but anyhow, I'm going to give you this poem because I think it's great. It says, God gave you two ends, one to sit with and one to think, one to think with. Success in life depends on which one you use. It's heads you win and tails you lose. So you have a brain, and inside that brain is where you make decisions. It's the same thing for your children. All kids have a brain, and they have to make decisions based on what they think, not based on what they feel. You can make a series of bad decisions if you make decisions based on the other end. And so learning what you should and shouldn't do is critical. The first, I guess the first thing that kids go through as they grow up is testing their boundaries. So we're going to call this message testing your boundaries. You know, getting to the place where you don't like the authority, you don't like people telling you what you can and cannot do, and you want to test your boundaries a little bit. I uh, didn't particularly have all of that in my life. I grew up in a single-parent home without a father. I never really knew my father. My mother was a working woman, and she sent me out to live with uh, guardians, people that she paid to watch me during the week. I would go home on Friday night and then go back to the guardian's house on Sunday night. So basically, two nights a week, Friday night and Saturday night, I was with her and the rest of the time with people that I just absolutely hated. And uh, until I did that, I guess until I was 13 or 12, and then I ran home. You know, some kids say, I ran away from home. No, I ran home. And I confronted my mom, and I told her I wasn't going to live with any other guardians. And so I was able to convince her to let me stay at our home with her as I got into high school and, and into the eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, and sports became the father figure to me in my life. I had a great coach, and uh, that coach took an interest in me and loved me, I guess, like a father would love a son. He encouraged me, but he did that for a lot of players. But anyhow, you, you find yourself testing your boundaries. You're getting a little mature. You're getting to make some decisions, and you want to make your own decisions. You don't want to be told what to do. Well, the Bible talks about this. It's just critical that young people understand this. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise so that it may be well with you and that you may live a long time on the earth. Fathers, and here's an admonition to dads, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And so we start off with that first passage, children, obey your parents. 
You know, I like to go to the Greek language, and I like to look at these words as they were written originally. And the word obey is a word we want to pay close attention to. And we want to notice that they're children and they're parents, and then there's fathers and mothers. The Bible splits them up a little later. Listen, let me read it again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. So we have children, parents, and father and mother. The word obey is a verb. Verbs show action. I flunked English in, in high school. Obviously, I didn't study, didn't pay attention. I was studying football and girls. That was about it. But I've learned since then, so I'm doing a lot better. So bear with me. A verb shows action. And in the Greek New Testament, we call this particular verb a word pronounced hupakuo. Hupakuo. And it's a present active imperative in the morphology of the verb. Now, what does that mean? Well, the present tense verb means that this is something that as long as you're under their roof, under their authority, under their provisions, you must obey the verb. The active voice says the subject produces the action of the verb. And the subject, obviously, is children. And the imperative mood is the mood of command. Now, buckle your chin straps. You're not going to like this, but this is the way it goes. Children, obey your parents. When you disobey your parents, you disobey the command, and that's called sin. It's sin when you disobey your parents. I know, I can hear it already, but you don't know my parents. You don't know what my parents are like. You, you don't know things about my parents. Okay, sure. Sometimes you get some lousy parents, I'll agree. I mean, if your mom or your dad said, uh, look, kid, we need you to go down to the liquor store and get some booze, don't do it. You're not supposed to obey that commandment. I mean, if they tell you to break the law, you're under a higher law. Parents are not allowed to coerce children to break the law. They can't tell you to go hold up the grocery store and bring them some groceries. That's wrong. That's wrong. So we're not talking about extreme, weird, crazy cases. We're talking about normal stuff in life. This Greek word, hupakuo, it's a word used by the Apostle Paul. And it means that we, as young people, are to conform to a system of authority or a system of command. Authority is a word we don't like when we're pushing the boundaries. That's what we want to get away from. We're tired of people always telling us what to do. Get up, go to bed, brush your teeth, make up your room, clean your bed, you know, that sort of stuff. Come on. We just want to be bums and do it when we can do it. But this word means we are to conform to the authority. And this is the very first test in life for any teenager. It's conforming to authority, facing authority. And sometimes authority may be fair, and that's wonderful, but it's possible that authority could be unfair, and that's not good. You know, if you have a brother or a sister, have you ever been disciplined for something they did, and you got the blame for it? Your parents made a decision, and it was unfair, and uh, consequently you suffered because they made an unfair decision. And the end result is you got mad and angry and bitter, slammed the door, said some words when nobody could hear you, 
lay on the bed, maybe even shed a tear and thought nobody loved you because of this goofy decision that they made. This is the first test in life. How do you handle unfair authority? Let me tell you what's going on. The reason God puts us through this is to prepare us for life. Let me be the last one to tell you this, not the first one, but uh, life is not fair. You're going to get a job someday and you're going to get let go and fired for no good reason. There's going to be a downsizing. There's going to be some kind of change and boom, you're going to be gone. I have a friend of mine who worked for many years to establish and open a business and he even moved from another state to this state so he could do this job and open this business and build the store. And after the store was built and after the public started coming and the money was rolling in, they walked in and fired him one day and said, you're gone. But it wasn't just him. They fired 52 store managers across America in one sweep. All of them in one sweep. Walked in with police officers and said, give us your telephone, give us your keys, you'll be escorted out of the building. Have a nice life. Goodbye. That was unfair. That's the way life is. If you don't learn how to handle it as a child, you'll never be able to handle it when it happens to you later in life. There are going to be things, and I can give you illustration after illustration, but there are going to be things that are not fair And you can react to things that are not fair. You can get mad. You can get angry. You can get an emotional overload. Or you can respond to things that are not fair. Respond? What does that mean? Well, it means you can maintain a relaxed mental attitude, which is a wonderful problem-solving device. You can use a faith rest drill, which knows God's in charge. He didn't make a mistake. And uh, you can forgive the person who makes the mistake especially if it's a parent. So if your parents make a mistake in regards to you and ground you or discipline you for something that one of your brothers or your sister did, has it ever entered into your mind that you might could forgive them for making a mistake? Because it's pretty hard to be a parent and figure out the who did it thing, you know, because the parent says, who did this? And, you know, your sister says, not me. And your brother says, not me. And It's always the not me that did it. So this command, obey your parents, is designed to break the self-centered arrogance that does not want to be told what to do. This is the way God knocks the arrogance out of you. I mean, it starts as a kid, a little child, and you tell the child, do not touch that. And he's going to touch it. He wants to touch it. And you say, no, don't touch that. And he's going to go for it every time. And it's just inherent in the sin nature to buck authority. We don't like authority. We don't like to be under authority. And you must learn to handle authority or you will be disoriented to life. You won't be able to handle life. And uh, and it starts with the parents. All authority starts with the parents. And then it goes from the parents to the police officer. It may go to the principal of your school. It may go to the pastor of your church. There's always authority. Your boss on your job, authority. And if you harbor mental attitude sins and you get angry and you hold a grudge and you're bitter and and, uh, unforgiving toward this person, you're going to have a pretty rotten life. That's not the Christian life. 
So the Christian life starts here as a young Christian, a young teenager. You must learn to handle authority, whether it's fair or unfair. Independence is knocking. Your hormones are flowing. And you could violate the trust your parents put in you. You want to. You want to sneak out. You want to act like you're in bed and not really be in bed. I mean, parents want to trust their children. They want to know that they can trust their children. Can your parents trust you? This command cannot be followed without some divine help. I know it takes God to give you the courage to do when it says, obey your parents. And so the divine help comes in the prepositional phrase, in the Lord. This is where the power comes from. Obey your parents in the Lord. There's the power. What does that mean? Well, this is the problem-solving device called the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's problem-solving device number three on the flat line of your soul. How do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I use problem-solving device number one. Problem-solving device number one is the rebound technique. And so when I sin, I go to God and confess my sin. So if you're a teenager and a young person, and your parents make a decision that's not fair, and you react and get mad and get bitter and get full of petty, vindictive hatred, you are sinning. And if you sneak around behind their back and go against their authority, you're sinning. And I know, I know, I've been there. You think that this is the worst decision that could ever be made, and surely they don't love me or they wouldn't have made that decision. So... You react and you sin. That quenches the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is quenched. And, and the Bible says, do not quench the Spirit. And do not the Spirit. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit. And so if you want the Holy Spirit to be put back in control in your life, you have to go confess your sin to God. Not to me, not to anyone else. You go to God and you say, Father, I just blew it. I just lost my temper. I got so angry with my parents. Please cleanse me. Boom, he does it. And you are filled with the Holy Spirit. The only way you can fulfill the mandate of these verses I'm talking to you is in the power of God, the Holy Spirit, who sustains you, empowers you. And if you take God's word and learn it and use it and put it together, then you have the double-barrel effect of the Christian life, God the Holy Spirit and the Bible, the Word. This mandate you must understand. What does that mean? In the Lord, it means you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit. You take your lead from the Word of God, not to be arrogant, not to be bitter, not to react, but to respond and maybe forgive them if it was a bad decision. If it was a good decision, then you must confess your desire to override the authority of your parents. I mean, I cannot tell you so many illustrations I've learned over the years of traveling and speaking in schools of kids that wound up dead in a ditch, in a wreck, because they lied to their parents and said one thing and did something else. It's horrible. 
it's horrible because you don't just take your own self out. You take out one of your friends, too, because you're always trying to coerce somebody into going along with you. And so this is what it's all about. It will save your life. Remember the verse says, Obey your parents and the Lord. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and you may live a long time on this earth. Authority orientation means you can live a long time. You can have a great life. But if you don't orient to authority, you're not going to be able to have a great life because you're going to be an arrogant person full of self-pity. You're always going to be resenting anyone that has any authority over you from the police officer to whatever, to the principal. You're just not going to be able to handle it. You won't like it because you're so hard-headed and stubborn and arrogant that you want your way and you cannot even possibly believe that somebody actually may be smarter than you and that somebody who's making this decision may be making this decision and it would actually save your life if you just shut up and listen and do what you're told. But you can't because you're so arrogant you can't handle that sometimes. So the next word says, honor your father and your mother. This is not the word obey. This is a different word, honor. And notice it split them up, father, mother. The first time they'd had them together, parents. Here's a big, big revelation for you. Parents get divorced. If you come from a divorced home like I do, maybe you do know your father and you do know your mother, and I don't know which one you live with. But honor is the Greek word tamao. Tamao. And tamao means you are to revere them or venerate them by placing a value on them. Your parents are the most valuable possession that you have. I mean, obey is used while you're under their roof, and honor is used for the lifetime. There's never a day in your life you're not to honor your parents. And that means to be respectful. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. To love your mama, to love your daddy. I mean, you might not. Maybe your, your dad did something bad. Maybe your dad was unfaithful to your mom and your mom divorced your dad and, and you're mad at your dad because of what your dad did. Or maybe it was vice versa. Are you supposed to forgive them? Well, I don't know. Did God forgive them? Could God forgive them? Yeah, sure. I mean, look at the dumb things you've done. Has God forgiven you for that? And then you say, well, I'm not God. And I understand that. But you are never to hold a grudge. You're never to seek to get even. You're never to try to get revenge. You leave that to God. Don't judge lest you be judged, the Bible tells you in Matthew 7. So you must honor them. Even though I never met my father, if I did meet him, I assume he's dead now, but if I did meet him, I would have not been angry. I wouldn't have punched him out. I would have said, yes, sir, I'm honored to meet you, sir. Would you do that? Could you say that to your mama, your dad, even though you're mad at him for leaving and breaking up and destroying your house? I mean, movie after movie has been made about broken homes and broken houses, and and this is one of the excuses people give in life that for making a series of bad decisions. They say, well, my parents got a divorce and nobody loved me, and so I turned out to be a dirty, rotten rat. No, you turned out to be a dirty, rotten rat because you wanted to. You made your decision. It's not because of something somebody else did. 
You made your own decisions. You chose. You chose to be disobedient, to be disrespectful. You chose to be arrogant. You chose to react rather than to respond. And you are the one that ruined your life, not someone else. So there's never a time that you're not to obey your parents as long as you're under their roof, even though it may be unfair. I didn't say obey them if they tell you to break the law. I didn't say that. And there's never a time you're not to you're not to honor your parents, even though they might even eventually get a divorce. You still must honor them, respect them, reverence them. It's critical. And why is this promise about? Well, it comes from Deuteronomy 5:16. In the Old Testament, this verse says, "Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded, so that you may live a long time, a long life, a wonderful life." It's based on your ability to handle authority and your ability to forgive and uh, to honor your parents. People that fail to do that fail in life. When you fail in life, you don't live a very long time. It's possible that you could wind up in the grave way before your day should end because of your arrogance and your hostility towards your parents. The secret to a full and meaningful life starts when we learn authority orientation at home. This is how we overcome these arrogance tendencies that lead us to self-destruction. God does not want you to destroy your life. He doesn't want you to ruin your life. So he puts you in a home under parents, ones that he chose for you, and he gave you the opportunity to orient and adjust to those parents. I sure hope you're listening. I sure hope you're paying attention because this is the first step in five phases that most kids go through. Maybe as a teenager you went through it or maybe your kids are going through it. It is the first step, orienting to authority, learning how to respect and reverence your parents. Without this, a person goes through life scarred up full of pity, full of hate, full of bitterness, full of vindictive implacability, always wanting to blame their failures on the unfair treatment they received in life somewhere back down the road. You are a victim of your own decisions. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. And that's the real you. I thank you for listening. I pray you will come back next week. We'll continue our study and deal deeper into this issue of critical times in the lives of young people. Until then, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Floodline. Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054 or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.